Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Fear God and give him glory, said the angel with the everlasting gospel to proclaim. But that doesn't sound exactly like gospel, does it? Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Revelation 14, 6-7 is probably the oldest appointed text that we have for the commemoration of the Reformation. It's, it's at least the one that's been used for Reformation the longest. Uh, some lectionaries even appoint Revelation as the gospel lesson for the day. The everlasting gospel conveys the heart of the Reformation. The motto of the Lutheran reformers was Verbum Domini Manet in Eternum, VDMA. The word of the Lord endures forever. But sometimes we view today, Reformation Sunday, as, as kind of a Lutheran triumphalism. Um, and, and we treat the church kind of as if we're a kid on a basketball team who thinks, my team's the best. They've won all the games so far. I don't need to practice. Um, since we've got the gospel, since our church has the gospel, we're right and everybody else is wrong. We're the best. And I don't need to do anything. But if that's the message you hear today, or you leave with today, either I failed in conveying the word of God, or you failed in listening, maybe a little bit of both. Of course, I don't mean that there isn't a true way to understand God's word, that there isn't a correct or right way to understand God's word. Uh, there is a correct doctrine or teaching of God's word. That's what the Reformation was all about. Because correct doctrine or teaching can be lost. It can be lost by whole churches or whole denominations, as in the case of the church 500 years ago, when they lost the central truth of the Bible that we are saved by God's grace through faith alone. But you know, it can't be lost by either of these, by churches or denominations, unless it's first lost by individuals. And, and in this way, we can never put ourselves on a pedestal over anybody else. Reformation, as, as in going back to Scripture, and in humility and repentance, discovering what we've taken for granted, that's something that always needs to happen. We need to be made aware that we need to be reformed and brought back into uh, conformity by the Bible. We need to be reformed. Fear God and give him glory, the angel says. This is followed in Revelation by two more angels. A second says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, who made every nation drink from the wine of her adulterous desire. Another angel, a third one, followed them. He said with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink from the wine of God's wrath, which has been poured undiluted 
into the cup of his anger, and who will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. When John wrote the book of Revelation, Babylon didn't mean the ancient, uh, generally evil Mesopotamian empire that was always uh, enslaving God's people. But rather, Babylon was a metaphor for Rome, uh, the, the current empire that was setting itself above God and persecuting Christians, taking their goods, uh, taking their fame, taking their families, taking even their lives. And while we don't have Rome uh, anymore to persecute us, we still do have to cope with Babylon. That is, we face all kinds of oppressive rule. The temptations of our flesh, of the world, and of the devil. And it's very tempting to be drawn in by Babylon because it's seductive. It's easy. From the outside, it looks like, like we won't lose anything. In, in fact, if we join Babylon, it looks like we'll get to keep our goods, our fame, our families, our lives. If we just go with the world or our flesh or the devil. If we treat God's word as relative or subjective based on me, based on my feelings, based on society. But we need to fear God. That is, we need to have the right reverence for God and his word over and above anything else. And reverence is simply to have the right response for what is in front of you. C.S. Lewis, in The Abolition of Man, uh, gives an example of two men that come to a waterfall, uh, uh, the most amazing, perfect, magnificent waterfall. One man says, it's nice. The other man says, it's sublime. The one who says it's nice does not have the right reverence. He is irreverent. He does not have the right response for what is in front of him. It's this idea that, that, that there's no intrinsic value to anything in the world, uh, that everything is subjective, that we just make it up, uh, make the value up in ourselves, and we carry that over then into how we view God and his word. But there is objective good in the world. And the waterfall is good and magnificent. It's incredible and it requires a response from whoever views it. So it is with God's word. It's not a subjective judgment based on each person's background or likes or dislikes or tastes. To simply dismiss it as, as nice is to utterly deny to acknowledge what is real and ignores reality and, 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 and to insist despite reality that my own internal life, that my own interests or likes or, or dislikes, uh, that's supreme. It is irreverent to hear the preaching of John the Baptist from our gospel lesson and to not repent and not look to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If, if I shrug off the law, if I shrug off my sins, it is no big deal, I might go to hell. 
we are required by the supreme and the sublime goodness of God and God's word to do something, to respond to God's word. And so we repent and we believe, we lament and we rejoice. We have to listen to what the Holy Scriptures, God's word, when it's read. And to tune God's word out is irreverent. That's why we stand for the Holy Gospel whenever the Holy Gospel is read, because we acknowledge that there's objective significance to this. To not appreciate Christ in his body and blood in the Lord's Supper, and to not do as Jesus has said, is irreverent. If we have communion, Holy Communion, we act like we're a Burger King, that's wrong. I saw just the other day that some church uh, decided to do communion with Skittles and iced tea. That is totally irreverent and wrong. Christ is actually physically present here in his body and blood. And there's a reason we generally kneel to receive it. Our, our posture reflects the sublimity of what is actually happening. Luther says in the preface to the Catechism, he who does not highly esteem the sacrament suggests thereby that he has no sin, not even flesh. That there is no devil, no world, no death, no hell. And on the other hand, he suggests that he needs no grace. Fear God and give him glory. God says in Revelation that anyone who doesn't revere his word, who, who has the word of God, but takes it for granted, worships not God, but the devil. And the sacraments become not blessings, but curses. He says he will receive a mark on his forehead, but not of the cross, but of the beast. And he'll drink wine, but not of God's blessing, but of God's wrath. So we need to be reformed. And we can't do this ourselves. We need something from the outside to do this for us. Enter the gospel. Then I saw another angel flying in the middle of the sky. He had the everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Notice this is not a new gospel, but the everlasting gospel. Even if it's forgotten throughout the ages and taken for granted, uh, and, and people and churches are reformed, the gospel will never cease to be proclaimed faithfully throughout the world. The gospel that was preached by Jesus and Paul and John the Baptist and rediscovered by Luther that's the same gospel that you hear today. The gospel never changes. It never accuses, but always forgives, sustains, and comforts. Let me read right before our text in Revelation what John sees before he sees the angel. Then I looked, and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him, 144,000 who had his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. 
These are the ones who are not defiled. They continually follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among mankind as firstfruits for, for God and the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. We have received the mark of the name of the triune God on our foreheads in baptism. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus and by his righteousness being credited as ours. We are found blameless and holy, made to stand with all the saints of every tribe and nation and language. We are made to be as reverent as Jesus, the Sabaoth Lord. And while we, along with every person on earth, we still have to cope with Babylon and the devil, the devil who twists God's word and tries to, to get us to minimize it and accuses us with it, but the angel calls out, Fear God and give him glory. The hour of his judgment has come. In other words, the devil is judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. The gospel overcomes the devil. Christ, the almighty Lord, the only God, fights for us. And so we fear God and give him glory. Psalm 34 actually tells us what it means to have fear or the right reverence for God. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. From all my terrors, he delivered me. The angel of the, of the Lord, that's Jesus, camps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is everyone who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, since those who fear him lack nothing. While fear the Lord does not sound like it's gospel, it is. Because when we fear God, there is nothing else to be afraid of. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. The sound of roaring waters and the falling thunder of mountains, for us who fear God, is like the sound of harpists playing their harps or saints singing a new song, like in Revelation. We have nothing to fear. We have the everlasting gospel. The word of the Lord endures forever. Or as Luther put it in the final verse, to a mighty fortress, as you we were saying earlier, the word, the devil and the world, still shall, shall let remain, even if they don't have any thanks for it. Christ is by our side upon the plain with his good gifts and spirit. And take they our life, good, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit,
as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Please stand.